Good morning, everyone. It's um, really good to see you here this morning. Warm welcome if you're a visitor with us. It's great to see you and everyone else who's here. Uh, a couple of hours ago, this was an empty building, uh, but now God's people have met together. It's become the church. And so, a uh, big welcome. Just a reminder that this afternoon, uh, we have our communion service at 3 and our evening service at 6.30. And I'd also like to mention that next Saturday, God willing, uh, Ben and Lauren are hoping to get married here in this church. And it starts at 12 o'clock next Saturday. And everyone here is welcome to the service. Well, we're going to begin uh, by singing our first hymn, which we'll stand for. And it's all about uh, God staying the same, though that we uh, change, though that we fail, Though there's so much in our life that is just needs changing, yet God never needs changing. He is the one constant. He is the great and living God. Oh, Christ the same, through all our stories pages, our loves and hopes, our failures and our fears, eternal Lord, the King of all the ages, unchanging still amid the passing years. That's a great reason. Just one one thing about God's character to worship him and praise him for this morning. After we sang... Children, come down to the front. Uh, Martin is going to do the children's talk for us. So let's stand to sing this together.
Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are going to look at words this morning. Now, to get you all into the flow, I want you to say something to the person next to you. Just say something to the person next to you. Anything you want. Oh, you're not normally slow at talking. Have another go. Hello, Harvey, how are you? You're not going to say anything back, you're just going to smile. Words, we use words all the time, don't we? Can anyone think of the way we're going to use words in this morning service? Anyone think of how we're going to use words? Singing, yes, we use words, we sing. What else? Reading, yes, when John comes and reads for us later. Yes, words, what else? Praying, yes, absolutely. Yes, so we're going to use words all the time. Now, I've been reading through the book of Proverbs and there is so many different ways about words that we should use. Um, So many, I haven't been able to put them all up on the screen, but here's just a few of them. Words, there are people that are wiser than us might be our mums, our dads, teachers. So they've got wise words. There's lots of that in the Proverbs. Arguing. There's lots about the silliness of arguing in the Bible. And what's even more silly, about joining in to someone else's argument. What a daft thing to do. So lots of arguing. What about boasting? There's lots in Proverbs about not boasting or telling lies. You know all this, don't you? Or telling the truth. And actually, there's lots in the Proverbs about when to keep quiet and not say anything. Yeah? Now, I want to pick up, I've got two verses out of Proverbs, and we're going to, perhaps we look at the second one first. We look at the second verse first, which says, does anyone want to read that verse out? Anyone want to read that verse out? Go on then, Annie. Pleasant words are like honeycomb. They make a person happy and healthy. How many people here like honeycomb? So honeycomb in the Old Testament times is what was really sweet. How many people prefer one of these? Yeah, absolutely. So pleasant words are like something sweet and nice, okay? They make a person happy and healthy. Well, let's, let's try practicing that. How do you think that we could say a pleasant word to someone? What do you think we might say? Thank you. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, make feel people make people feel wanted for what they've done. Yeah, sorry, you put your hand up. No. Please, yes. What are you can say, River. Hmm. Oh, we're going to look at that one in a minute. Okay, we'll look at that one in a minute. What about just good morning, with a smile on your face? That gives everyone a lift, doesn't it? If you're coming, hey, good morning. That's not very nice, is it? Good afternoon, yes. If you see one of your friends falling over in the playground and crying, what might you do? Katie? Go and say, are you all right? Yeah. Yeah, what? You wouldn't go, pick yourself up. Stop crying. Stop making a fuss. It's only pain. It doesn't hurt. Hey? Would you do that to your friend? Would that make them feel happy? No. No, so it's finding words um, that are thing. Now, we're going to look at the, the next verse, and let's have someone else who will read this one out. You going to have a go at reading it, Harvey? Brilliant. Go on, then. You're well done. Really good. Well read. So, a gentle answer will calm a person's angry. 
but an unkind answer will cause more anger. Oh, anyone here met an angry person? Someone who's cross? Someone who's annoyed? What kind of words would you say to them? I wonder. Let's pretend that you had broken my best pen and I'm really cross about it. What might you say to me? Sorry. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a good answer to give a word. Say sorry, okay? Wouldn't you go, ah, you got plenty of money, go and buy another one. What do you think I might do? No, I'd get more crosser and crosser, I think. You know, an unkind answer will cause more anger. Yeah, but if you say sorry, that helps soothe the situation down, doesn't it? So, if you're in the school playground, if you're in the school playground, and one of your friends is being picked on by someone who's not very nice, what might you say to them? What might you say to your friend who's being picked on by someone not very nice? Come on, let's have someone more than Katie. What might you say? Annie? Ignore it. You might say ignore it. Yeah, could do. What else might you say? Walk away. Brilliant. Yeah, come away. Let's go away. Let's go and talk to someone about it. That's that's a really sensible thing to do. Yeah? Come and play with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what about your friend being called names and they're upset? What might you say? I remember years and years ago, two Sunday school children. My dad's better than your dad. No, he's not. My dad's better than your dad. My dad's bigger than your dad. No, your dad's just fat. (laughs) What a thing to say, eh? What a thing to say. But what might you say to your friend that had names called for them? Eh? What might you say? They're just lying, yeah? They're just lying? They're just bullying you? Yeah, when I was younger, there used to be a little saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, or words will never hurt me. But they do hurt, don't they? Words do hurt. So, yeah, it's going to them and reassuring of your friendship. Now, what did we say with the best word was? The best soft word, the best kind word, okay, that River said earlier. Do you want to say your word again, River? Sorry, yes. Sorry is a really good word when someone's angry. Now, who is angry with us? Who is angry with us? God is, yes, because of our sin. And we need to come to him and say sorry. And if we say sorry to him, then his anger will be turned away. Well done for listening really well. Thank you, Martin. Well, we're going to have our time of prayer now. May God help us each to pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we ask for your help as we come and talk to you, the living God. Uh, We can really barely fathom when we think of how great, how holy you are, that we should ever come near to you. We think of the people in the Old Testament who couldn't come near to that mountain where your presence was because of your power, because of your might and your holiness, and because of the people's sin. And yet we thank you for Jesus Christ who has opened up the way for us to be made right with God, that we've now gained access into the presence of God by faith. 
so that we can come this morning and pray to you. So that we can meet in your presence without being consumed, without being condemned. And Lord, we thank you for that. We've sung of your unchangeability and that is such a rock for each of us. As we look back over this past week, we uh, come in confession that we've not lived as Christians in a way that has honoured you in our words and our thoughts and our actions. The things that we should have done, we have left undone. The things we should not have done, we have done without putting up much of a fight. And we come this morning and pray for your forgiveness. We are sinners and we thank you that you are our saviour. We thank you that however bad this week has been, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sin to you. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you are dependable. We are just on this earth for a short time, but you created the earth. You were before the earth. You are the before all things. And in you, all things exist. You have no beginning. There is no end to your rule and to your reign. And Lord, we thank you for your great faithfulness to us. We have woken up this morning, something we take for granted every day. You have filled our lives with more blessings than we could count. Our cup runs over with your gracious kindness and goodness. Oh Lord, we thank you for that. And daily our lives are filled with good things. You provide for all of our needs and however much we may be suffering, however much difficulty we may be experiencing at this moment, we can still say that God is good to us. So Lord, we praise you and that is one of the reasons we have come to be here this morning, to worship you, to give thanks. Lord, we've come to uh, read your word, to learn from it and we pray you'll open up our hearts so that we not just hear, but that we become doers of your word. We thank you that not only are you our saviour, but as Christians, but you are our Lord, you are our master. Our life has been surrendered to you from that day when we put our trust in Christ to our last breath is to be one living in under the rule, the gracious rule of our new king. We were once in slavery under sin, We were bound by his tyranny, and yet by your amazing grace we have been freed to live in newness of life, for which, Lord, we will be eternally thankful. So, Lord, as it is our privilege to live for you, help us in the battle of the Christian life to be those who look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, help us to have our eyes fixed on what is unseen and not to get so tangled up with the things around us that we can see because the things that we see are perishing but those that we see by faith are eternal. Lord, help us to live each moment that you give us in the service and the love of Christ. Lord, we thank you for this morning for our children. Thank you for our young people. Lord, we ask for your blessing on them. We thank you for the many Year six children who recently have received New Testaments. 
uh, at our local church and across this area many have received your word. Lord, we pray that it will be a mighty voice and uh, a voice in their lives to guide them, to bring them to Christ. We pray that those books won't gather dust, but that they will be read. And in this day of increasing confusion and turning away from God, we ask that your word, which is living and powerful, will be something which is firmly rooted in the minds of our young people in the next generation coming up. Lord, we pray for that. Lord, we pray for this coming week, and we especially pray for the first Tuesday group as they venture out on their outing. We pray that uh, there will be safety given for that event. We pray that it will be a really happy time, and we pray that you'll bless those elderly people. The gospel messages that they have heard often appear to fall onto hard ground where the message is snatched away. But Lord, we pray that you'd prepare their hearts to receive your truth, that Lord, what might seem to have disappeared might really be growing, that there might be life given to them in the last days of their life. So bless that time, we pray. We pray too for first steps as they have their last meeting this week. We thank you for all those who have led and helped over this past year and put weekly energy and um, endurance in serving in that lively group. We thank you for it and pray that this summer will be a great rest and um, relief for those who've worked so hard. Lord, we thank you that you will bring back many of those children and new parents all the time when it restarts again in September. We pray this morning for the wedding. On Saturday, we pray for Ben and Lauren, and we ask that as they begin their married life as Christians, that you'll greatly protect and bless them and make them a blessing in your kingdom wherever they settle. Lord, we pray that Saturday will be a great time of joy and happiness for them and their families and friends. Lord, do be with Peter and Sue at the Kent show next Saturday. Uh, we pray that have many opportunities to speak to people and to give out your word at that event. We pray too, Lord, for um, those who are busy preparing for the wipey holiday and for camp. So much goes into organising that. We especially pray for those who are preparing Bible talks and Bible studies. And Lord, we, we say, as always, that unless you build the house... It's built in vain. Unless you're with us, unless your Holy Spirit is at work, uh, it is vain, the toil and effort that we put in. So it's an act of faith that we prepare. It's an act of faith that we give up our time to serve you. So bless the leaders in that, Lord, we pray, as we look to you for your help at this time. Lord, we pray for those at this time who are struggling, those who are ill, those who might be in hospital, Lord, we ask that as there are times when our faith is put to the test, that we'll know the peace of God and that we'll know truly that our soul is anchored into the character and the love of God. Lord, we pray for this uh, world that we live in. It is your world and in huge numbers the world rejects you in its pride in its arrogance, 
And Lord, we pray that as your people, we will become more and more intolerant of sin in the world around us, in our own lives. What should be clearly black and white can so subtly become grey in our thinking. And Lord, we pray that you would make us endure, that you would make us strong and know what the truth is and stand for what is clear in your word. Whilst all the time being those who love and show compassion to the lost world around us. Oh Lord, help us in this, we pray. We thank you that we know the end story. We thank you that we know that Jesus is king and he wins. And that all glory will be given to him, that every knee will bow to King Jesus and every mouth will confess that he is Lord, all to his glory. And Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that as your gospel is preached today, here and throughout this world, that many will be brought into your kingdom. That there will be real life change where people turn away from their sin and put their trust in the living God. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, John's going to lead us in our Bible reading and preaching after our next hymn, which we're going to sing. We've not sung this this next hymn in a service, but uh, many of you know it, and we did have a practice a while ago of this. Uh, My hymn of praise shall be forever Jesus, my firm foundation in shifting sands, my strength and hope through many fears and failures, the disappointments of the past, his constant love has held me fast. Let's stand and sing.
So we have our Bible reading now at this point in the service, and we've been going through the book of Nehemiah in the mornings, as many of you know, and we're on chapters 11 and 12 today. Chapters 11 and 12, it's page 406, if you've got the church Bible. Um, the key... It will be up, much of it will be up on a display, but it will be helpful probably if you have it open or on your app if you've got one, because it will say one or two other things and it also may help you later on. So a great work of God is being done, hasn't it, in the book of Nehemiah as the wall is built around Jerusalem. This is just after about 450 BC. And we've, uh, we're, we're nearing the end of this, what has been an exciting book, I hope you've found. We're in chapters 11 and 12 today. Um, I'm going to uh, read some parts of it and then refer to others. Uh, we start then at the beginning of chapter 11, although I will chip in first with the last phrase of chapter 10. We will not neglect the house of our God. Then the first two verses of chapter 11. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Then we have quite a long list of names, which I'm not going to read for all of those names. There will be a few more coming up in a minute, but I'm not going to read the long list in chapter 11. Uh, but it, it may help just to give a, a sense of what's happening. When we, when we come across these lists in times like this or in your private Bible reading, it's, well, it's not pronunciation practice. It's not to get lost and tangled over what feel like difficult names. What can help us as we look at uh, lists like this? Well, a good question is, well, why is it here? Here for a reason. See, see if you can work out why it's here. Another thing to help is to see how it's split up. So rather than just get lost in the names, think, well, how is it divided up? And, you know, what's your general pattern here? That can also help. And another thing that can help is certain words might get your attention as you go through and good thing can focus on them. And we shall pick up some in the passage, both as I read it, but also later on here. So, sort of scanning really through uh, chapter 11, it's about who's in Jerusalem, verse 3, those who lived in Jerusalem. And they're actual people, and they're being named, and they're being honoured, and they're being remembered. And what sorts are there? Well, in verse 4 you see that uh, you've got the sons of Judah. Some of them are listed. And in verse 7 you've got sons of Benjamin. They're listed. You've got uh, the priests from verse 10 onwards. They're listed, and described as men of valour. So these people who are living in Jerusalem are good guys, there's something commendable about what they're doing. Verse 15 onwards, you've got the Levites, those are the temple workers, and words like house of God, praise and thanksgiving, 
the holy city come out. Mm, I think we should uh, bear those phrases in mind. You go on to the gatekeepers, verse 19. They're listed, charge of security and other tasks of the city. Then to verse 25, you get some of the places outside Jerusalem where people are living. So not everyone went to Jerusalem. And whilst these individuals aren't listed, they are remembered and valued, even though they live outside of Jerusalem. Then we come on to chapter 12, and we've got some more lists, uh, more priests and Levites. But as you look at it, I think one of the things you find is that they're actually from different time slots. And he's going backwards here. So there's a sense of history. It goes back three generations to those who came with the first wave with Zerubbabel. And then he talks about those in the next generation, as well as those in the current generation. Thinking about God's work going on over many decades there. That's one of the things you pick up over a list like that. And in verse 24, their roles were to praise and to give thanks and to do so according to the commandment of David. Hmm, Why is David mentioned, even though that was uh, about 600 years ago? Hmm. So there's some of the lists. And then we come on to uh, our other main reading, which is in chapter 12 and at verse 27. A big event occurs and we trace it through in this next reading. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, harps and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba as Mephath. For the singers had built for themselves villages round Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. After this purification, it carries on, verse 31. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. First, he it describes the choir of the south. One went to the south on the wall to the Dungate, and after them went Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah, And Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah and Jeremiah and certain of the priests' sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mattathaniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachor, son of Asaph, key name, and his relatives. Shemaiah, Azareel, Milalai, Gilalai, my, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them, 
At the fountain gate they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David and the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. And we've got the northern choir. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshanah and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate and they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God and I and half of the officials with me and the priests Eliakim, Messiah, Minamim, Micaiah, Elonai, Zechariah and Hananiah with trumpets and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eliza, Azai, Jehohanan and Malkajar Elam and Ezer and the singers sang with Jezrehiah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. So there are many names in those chapters. I hope you're getting a little bit of a sense of it. And as we move into getting the lessons from it, of which there are some rich lessons, I hope some things maybe will become a little plainer. We're going to turn now to our third song. It's one of the classics by John Newton. It's Glorious Things of You Are Spoken. And here in this hymn, John Newton really has a a song which is about Zion, and and Zion is uh, another word for Jerusalem. And he's picking up the Old Testament theme, which is in some of the Psalms, and he's really seeing how it applies now to the people of God now, to us now if we're in the church. And that's what it's talking of, and it's giving thanks for the joy of being in the church with all the blessings that comes with it. Glorious things of you are spoken Zion city of our God.
Time for a Celebration uh, is the rather nice title that we've got to this morning's message. And we have them, don't we? And we praise God for them. We have special birthdays and sometimes the celebrations go on and on. We have anniversaries. We have uh, exams ending. Uh, We have weddings. We have a lot of these things going on at the moment amongst some of us. And they are the the highlights probably of your calendar and your diary. Times of celebration. Uh, Well, it may surprise you if you think about it that in Nehemiah, we haven't had one yet. There's been a tremendous rebuilding project and it was done, if you like, in record time with widespread support and with God's evident help, yet it just got, in many ways, its completion, a bit of a passing reference almost in chapter 6 and verse 15. As yet there's been no major time of celebration well, that will change by the end of today. But I want to just pause on that fact of delay first because I think there's a, a lesson for us in it. A lesson that there is more to it than buildings and building work. The other things that happened, needed to happen, and are as important as the building work and needed to occur before there was the time of celebration. So there was the reading of God's word and people being helped to understand it. There was a a reaction from them to what they heard. There was a time we saw last week of, of repentance and confession, of commitment and resolution to do God's will. There was more to the renewal of God's people than the building project alone, even though that was an important part of it. And it's good for us to remember that while physical things, the bricks and the mortar, are important, we shouldn't overlook inner spiritual things. They look to happen and develop before the celebration here. So we can just uh, think about that ourselves. So um, as, a, as a church community here, we're, we're grateful that this week we've got uh, some nice new windows, double glazed windows through most of the Sunday school building. They look really nice if you've seen them. We've had some some roof tiles, inside roof tiles over the months put in the Sunday school to improve it. There are other thoughts and plans about developing the facilities here and work carries on uh, year by year to keep it good to improve it. But what we need to remember as well is that it's not just the buildings. We want the blessing in people's hearts. So whilst we're thankful for really nice new windows in the Sunday school and God's provision, the funds to be able to do that, don't we long for the children in the Sunday school to be blessed and for that work to grow? Don't we want the the first Tuesday group that meets there 
to be a place where people feel the love of Christ and hear the gospel. Don't we want the first steps, carers and mums, to know something of Jesus Christ themselves? We want more than just the buildings. And let's apply it as well to us in terms of our own houses. Can we do that? Maybe you've got a building project at home. You've had one. Uh, yeah, an extension, and it's a big project. Or you've been doing up the garden, or, or you've been decorating one of the rooms, or it's been time for a new kitchen, and it's taken a lot of time, and it's taken a lot of money, and it's good, and you're thankful for it, and it gives the home a nice feel. It's much better for what you want it to be. But don't let it obliterate spiritual things. Your relationship with God, leading your family in serving God. Don't think just the physical things, the be all and end all, when really the spiritual things that happen in them are also important. Seek first the kingdom of God. So there's a bit of a lesson in the introduction this morning. But we're going to be heading to a time of thanksgiving and celebration. But we have one other major thing that happens before we get there. So I've got two parts to this morning, the lesson in each. Two parts to this morning. And we're still having to wait a little bit further for the celebration. Because the first thing that happens is this. Filling Jerusalem at a cost. Filling Jerusalem at a cost. For both of the sections, I've just got a verse or two to keep it simple because you can get overloaded with all that's happening here. So that's why I put the verse reference up there. If you want to keep it simple in your mind, think of these two verses for this section and one verse for the second. So let me read this, 11 verse 1. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem And the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. There was an outstanding issue. We got a sniff of it in chapter 7 and verse 4. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses has been rebuilt. It had a wall, but it was a bit of a ghost town. Um, Esther and I had a a, a break in uh, London, just a couple of days away, during covid uh, we were allowed to be there, it was all above board, there was no sort of party gate problems with breaking any rules. Um, We were in London, but because of the COVID situation and restrictions, hardly anyone else was. And you'd go along the Thames and the walkways were just empty. Nobody around the Tower of London. Nobody on the boats that go up the Thames. It was all so empty and so strange. And here, God's city, Jerusalem, is largely empty. There's no hubbub, there's no activity, and it's also a security issue. Because in a way, it could be there for the taking without people inside the city. So it needs repopulating. And chapter 11 is about those who started to live there. 
especially from three tribes, Judah, Benjamin, and the Levites. The Levites were the, the temple workers and teachers. And it mentions them living in Jerusalem. So this is a, a key note, isn't it? Verse 3, it talks about the, the leaders lived in Jerusalem. Verse 4, and in Jerusalem lived. Verse 6, who lived in Jerusalem. Talking there of the sons of Benjamin. Verse 18. In the holy city. So the first 26 verses, so much of it is taken with those who live in Jerusalem, who came to live in Jerusalem. And uh, it's seen as a good thing because these people are described as valiant men. Verse 6, the Benjaminites who moved. And in verse 16, men of valour. This was a good thing. They're named and they're remembered. Now I know we can overdo the remembering and we can give too much attention to people, but it clearly has its place and is written down here to remind them of good things. So it made me think of these tablets that we have here. We don't overdo the attention to the tablets, that's why in the new building they're just slightly hidden rather than left for you to ponder over all during a sermon. But we do have them, and the first one up there talks about this tablet was erected in commemoration of the introduction of the gospel into this neighbourhood by Mr G. Doggett, later with him, in 1832. Well, that's worth... That's worth remembering, isn't it? I don't suppose he particularly wanted a, a plaque after him, but he, he felt called by God to start a gospel witness here. It was a risk, it was an initiative, and he came and he did what he could so that the gospel could be taught. And uh, that's good, isn't it, that we remember people who took that sort of risk. And with him there's a, a Mr P. Dickerson, uh, who was involved with the formation of the church here in 1844, as a pastor from London who showed a lot of interest in what happened here and who preached and was involved with the formation of the church 12 years after they started to meet. And it says of him that when he preached on that occasion and 10 were baptised, that uh, the rough congregation had tears coming down their cheeks as big as peas. So who was involved? Well, I think it's, it's quite good to remember these people long ago who were involved with the work of the gospel. Well, some of the leaders were probably already there and others come to move. And it describes how they came to be here. And the rest of the people, verse 1, cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. So large numbers relocated. One in ten, they they drew lots to work out who was going to move to Jerusalem, drawing lots is quite a common practice in the Old Testament. It seems to fade out in the New Testament. 
And as I read it, those who did move, moved willingly. It wasn't begrudging, they were pleased to do what they were called to do for the sake of God's city and his work and his worship. And the others that didn't go, encouraged them, supported them. Verse 2. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. Their words were sweet and pleasant and encouraging to those who made the move. Now some of you don't need reminding that moving is a headache, a migraine, a massive ongoing headache, isn't it, in many cases. They had no estate agents and mortgages, but there was still packing, there was still moving stuff, there was still changing neighbourhoods, there was probably a lot of building and repairing because the properties, those that were there, were in disarray. They lost their countryside plots and maybe the produce that came from the land. There was a cost involved with these people who moved to Jerusalem. It may not have appealed to many more than to some of us moving to inner city London. But they saw the need, they felt the call, they were concerned for God's city and God's honour and God's work and God's worship and they were willing to place themselves there. And others encourage them. Sometimes, out of concern for the work of God, for the building up of the church, it it leads some people to actually move. Some do move into an area to encourage or to support a church plant. That's a big thing, you know. It might sound an easy thing, it's a big, big change. And uh, it's a lot, there's quite a number of Christians that have done that, they felt it's the right thing to do. It's not always straightforward, a church plant. It often takes a, a long while to get going, has many struggles, but some have felt the call on them to do that. Some have felt the call on them to work elsewhere, overseas, and they've gone to uh, be involved with the gospel work overseas. These things can't be done lightly. They need to be carefully thought through. I'm certainly not looking to encourage any reckless decisions this morning. I remember a, a, a person respecting the era of Coventry and at a point in their life as a family, they wondered if it was right to move from their very nice, comfortable estate on the edge of the city to a property near the, the church in the inner city would have been a tremendous cost for them and the family and the children. They put their for sale sign up, willing to do that. In fact, there were no buyers. Over many months they concluded the Lord wanted them to stay where they were. It's a property that's been a, a big blessing to many. But there was a willingness to move. So the lesson from this first point about filling Jerusalem at a cost is readiness to move. Readiness to move. God doesn't call many of us to to move house. Some will in the cause of serving God. But there may be other things that God calls to move. 
maybe a move in our focus in life. Something else needs to become the higher priority, which the Lord wants, and other things have to sort of shuffle into place around it, and it's this movement and it's cost. Uh, maybe it's a, a movement of routine. Oh, just say, for instance, Wednesday night is TV night, but then it's clear Wednesday night actually needs to become Sunday school prep night or rooted night or having people round night. And it's a, a cost, a change in routine, but it, it's what you feel the Lord wants for your life as you follow him. Maybe it's a moving of employment sometimes where people change their jobs for the sake of the kingdom or sometimes reduce their days or hours at a certain point in life in order to serve the Lord and the church in a more direct way. Of course, the rest is serving the Lord too. Or maybe it's a movement of funds as we want some of our finance to be involved with what clearly is such an encouragement and a help to the work of God. I came across this phrase, I thought this was good this week. It's good when we get more money to think about an increase in in our standard of giving, not just our standard of living. That's good, isn't it? Sounds good, a bit more to think about. Good when we get more money to think about an increase in our standard of giving, not just our standard of living. Well, where this happens, and in, in big ways, it's good and right if uh, others can encourage those who are doing such things in what is good and right and wise. You have an example of it in Acts 13. There they're worshipping While they're worshipping the Lord, verse 2, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. They start on a missionary journey. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The others supported, encouraged them. So that's the first thing. Filling Jerusalem at a cost. Now, after the repopulation is reported, we we move on at last to the celebration. Filled with joy at God's work. Filled with joy at God's work. And for this, our main verse is in chapter 12 and verse 43. It was on the um, slides at the start of the service. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Now you've probably seen these flash mobs, have you? Um, uh, There's a a great uh, video clip of of one of them in uh, a precinct, a shopping precinct, 2010, when uh, someone uh, in the food court uh, starts up singing 
the Messiah. You've got this strong solo voice and everyone is startled. And then over the minutes that follow, others who have been planted there or sitting in the food court stand up and they start singing their parts. And then over the course of the the minutes, you have the, the whole shopping mall hearing a wonderful rendition of the Messiah being sung. If you look at that one, 2010, you find that the the people there, uh, as they eat their Big Macs, are suddenly startled by people around them singing. Uh, And you get some of them smiling, and you get tears down the cheeks of uh, some of them watching, and lots of them have certainly got their phones out and are video clipping what's happening around them as there is this burst of song and praise and thanksgiving. Well, here we have a great time of praise and celebration. The Levites have gathered on Jerusalem, There's been some purification which has occurred, a sense of the holiness of the occasion. But verse 27 tells us what especially they're doing. They've come at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. They sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving and with singing and with cymbals, harps, and liars. And there are two great choirs. What have they been formed to do? Verse 31. I appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. And you had, if you like, the choir, the South Circular Choir, if we can call it that. Ezra leads the way. And they've got trumpets and musical instruments and they go around the southern sections of Jerusalem, of the wall, making their way to the temple. And it's also David-like. The good old days, when there was a good king, or mostly good king, the Messiah-like king, it gets you to think, backwards to David, but also forwards to a future king who will yet come, the Messiah. So you have in verse 36 with this southern, south circular choir, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. Verse 37, by the stairs of the city of David, above the house of David. We're being reminded that this was like it was and like it will be when God's king comes. So you've got the the south circular choir and then you've got the north circular choir which Nehemiah follows. And what are they doing? Well the other choir, verse 38, they gave thanks that they went to the north. Now you remember you remember the Jerusalem trip uh, the nocturnal, the nighttime trip we had of Nehemiah earlier in the book when he went round and he saw how all the walls were broken and now there's some circuit of Jerusalem but the work is finished. It's no longer a heap of rubbles, th- of rubble. Things have changed. Notice that they go to a lot of gates. The gates are in place. They've been put in place with God's help. The psalm says, unless the Lord build the house, they labour in vain that build it. But it has been built because the Lord has been involved and he's been helping them. 
And notice what they're walking on. What are they walking on in verse 38 and others? They're walking on the wall. They're walking on the wall. Do you remember the sneering comments of Tobiah? That if a fox stood on the wall, it would crumble. Well, now you've got people. You've got a whole procession of singers on the wall. That's just the way these walls are designed. Uh, when Esther and I went to Jerusalem a few years ago, on one of the days we had a, a walk around the wall of Jerusalem, and, and you walk on the wall with sort of things either side. You can walk on the on the wall, and uh, though that wasn't Nehemiah's wall, the same principle is uh, at play. You can walk on the wall, and here you've got the choirs on the wall singing. This is what God has done. And we reach verse 40. So both choirs of those who give thanks stood in the house of God. So they've met now and they're still singing. There we make our way to verse 43. Almost a climax within the book of praise, thanksgiving and joy. Let me read it again. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Notice joy five times in one verse. And rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Why were they rejoicing? God had produced it. God had made them rejoice because he'd helped them with the project and the wall had been completed. How big was the joy? It's described as great joy. Who was involved with the joy? It's not the men only, and it's an all-age thing. Women and children are also rejoicing. Was it just low-key, quiet? A few people knew it who were in the vicinity. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. One person I heard this week imagined Sam Ballot in his country residence hearing the singing that comes from Jerusalem because the wall has been completed and in a huff going into his conservatory and shutting the door so that he can't hear any more of the joy of Jerusalem. So here, that's our lesson. It's a big place for joy and thanksgiving. We've had, we've had the prayer, we've had the hard work, we've had the coming together, we've had the opposition, we've had the confession, we've had the resolve, and now praise and joy. So, so much joy. It's good for us to praise, to rejoice, to give thanks. It's good at times of celebration, if you've got one coming up, Feel free to rejoice and praise and give thanks to God. It's right. It's good as we think of what God has done 
and we've had his help and we've reached a landmark, we've got an anniversary, we've been helped through a project. It's good to give thanks and rejoice and praise God. The end of an academic year, praise God for his help as you've got through and the exams are behind you. It's good to rejoice and praise God in his finished work of salvation. Christ has died. It is finished. He's risen again. This is so often the the cause of an outburst of praise in the New Testament. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ comes at the end of the resurrection chapter 1 Corinthians 15. You can praise God for the resurrection. Revelation 1 as he thinks of Jesus dying bursts into praise for what it accomplishes. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us king, made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You can rejoice, can't you, that your sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done. You can praise God that you have eternal life because of the resurrection of Jesus. You know, of these joys, reasons to rejoice. Rejoicing in God's ongoing work. The angels rejoice when people turn to God in repentance. Uh, Last Sunday I mentioned in the evening, for those who are here, Spiros, who was a man who was in the church at Kefalonia where we were on holiday. And uh, he was telling us of a situation uh, when he was in Australia for some time. He was a bit late for a service, he was taking the service, he said he wasn't usually late, but he was quite late for a service on this occasion in God's timing and providence, because as he was going in, a lady said to him, do you know of a church near here? He said, well, actually, I'm going to one, just follow me. So he went up into the church and she followed him. He was preaching from Revelation 5. We're going to finish with that in uh, a minute or two. He was preaching from Revelation 5 about the way in which um, the, the lamb who was slain was able to undo the scroll, was able to solve the mystery of human history, was able to deal with the problems of humanity. And he spoke, and she was there, and they found out later that this lady had set out that morning to take her own life because of her family circumstances. And she'd felt a sense of compulsion, first that she ought to find a church, and she'd seen him and asked him, and he was late, and she followed him in, and she heard a message about Christ being the answer to humanity's problems. And that led on to her salvation and she became a Christian. And as we heard of that account, our hearts rejoiced. We gave thanks to God. We praised him for his ongoing work. It's a big place for joy and thanksgiving. There was in Nehemiah's day, there should be through our life and there will certainly be in glory. And I'm going to end with verses at the end of chapter 5 in Revelation, where you'll see that the occupation of glory is so much one of joy 
and thanksgiving. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and might for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Well, in that spirit of thanksgiving and praise, shall we sing together our last song, which is, Come people of the risen King, who delight to bring him praise. Come all and tune your hearts to sing the morning star of grace. Yeah.
help us to remember that you have done great things for us. And in this we are glad. Amen.